Welcome back to the AFCON Daily Digest on, on the Whistle podcast. My name is Alistair Howarth, host of the podcast and the associate producer. I'm here today joined by Maher Mazahi, who spoke to us before the tournament about Algeria and kind of the potential to go all the way and win back-to-back tournaments and to stretch this unbeaten run and, and kind of break the world record. But it's fallen short. Last night, they lost to Equatorial Guinea. And after 35 games and three years unbeaten, that run has come to uh, an end. Maher, first of all, you know, what is the mood around the Algeria camp and, you know, around the country? Yeah, um, people are just like really sad. <laughs> not so much angry, not so much calling for anyone's head. Um, this team's brought like so much enjoyment and so much pride to the, to the country over the last three years that I don't think it would be fair for anyone to, to feel any other way than just like sad at the fact that the streak is finally over. And that we're in a really precarious situation for the Africa Cup of Nations now. Um, we're in a must-win match against the Ivory Coast, not against, you know, like some of the quote-unquote smaller nations who have proven so far to, to be able to stand up to the big guns. Um, so that, I would say that's the overwhelming emotion at the moment. Um, yeah, a lot of sadness, but uh, at the same time, there is a little bit of defiance, a little bit of like, you know what, we're going to do this. Um, I would say that people and players especially are not really 100% discouraged. On their day, they feel like they can beat any side in Africa and they're going to have to beat one of the best sides in Africa uh, on Thursday. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when when we're looking at the team and their run, you know, we talked about the mentality of this team. You know, these guys do not lose, you know, whether they play bad, play well, you know, they, they break through teams. You know, we saw that at the Arab Cup. We saw it in the last, last AFCON. Um, but I mean, one thing that struck me over these two two games is just how kind of aggressive the, the team was, you know, first, you know, in the Sierra Leone game, you saw how frustrated they were, you know, I think Belmadi, he kicked a can or something at the end of the game, you know, and in frustration, you know, and, and in this game, you know, within five minutes, you know, both Ben Sabahini and Buneja kind of had given away quite silly yellow cards. Um, you know, do you feel like that that pressure and that stress of this performance, you know, has got to them in terms of their mentality? Because it felt like they really dropped down to Equatorial Guinea's level in terms of that kind of physicalness. Yeah, um, that's an interesting, very interesting perspective that I didn't really think of um, too much. I, I really don't think it's the, look, the pressure uh, Belmadi spoke about and he said, you know, it comes with the territory. You know, if you're the African champion, you're going to feel pressure. You know, if you're 35 on matches unbeaten, you're going to feel pressure. He doesn't think it's a bad thing. He actually thinks it's a good thing. Uh, he sees it as positive stress, a way that you can motivate your troops um, and to make sure they're not being complacent. Paradoxically enough, if there's one adjective I would say that really describes Algeria in his first two matches, it's maybe lackadaisical or maybe a little bit complacent. Just I didn't really feel like a complete sense of urgency until like late on in the matches. You know, I felt like a lot of the possession, especially in the first half, has been sterile. Um, that Algeria, you know, they mostly line up with, like, once they have the ball in the opposition territory, which they do, they've had, like, like against Equatorial Guinea last night, 70% possession. And they would basically push up into their territory, and then it would be, like, you know, uh, lateral passes along the back line, trying to break the lines, not really working, maybe trying a long diagonal, and then it's a one-on-one dribble. And, and sometimes it works, and you... Equatorial Guinea defended very well. Um, they had, I think, I can remember at least three times where they, you know, cleared the ball from within their own six-yard box. Um, Yusuf Beledi scored a goal that was rightly ruled offside. Um, 
but still i don't really i didn't really see like like i said uh, that real sense of urgency of we need to score we need to in the first half at least um i think we're going to see that in the ivory coast but um as for the you know all the shenanigans you see with the soldier side you know the tugging the shirts the the crowding the referee the the complaining the whinging all of that you're going to keep seeing that that's <laughs> just the way these guys play mm-hmm. i know a lot of people don't like it but uh, I've learned to enjoy it. It's an acquired taste, you know. It's kind of like the Italians. It's kind of like the Uruguayans with their mm-hmm. Charua. It's just like it's a way that these guys have learned to to play. Where it's like we are not going to lose. We're going to take what every single resource resource we can. We don't care if it's ugly. We don't care if you don't like it. But we're just going to try to find a way to to make sure we win this match. Yeah, I mean, when I was talking with someone yesterday, they compared it to almost like quite like Man City, where it's, you know, as soon as you lose the ball, there's a, a niggly foul, you know, just to kill the game, you know, that attitude. Yeah, I mean, it's strange because Algeria, compared to some other big sides, like, like say, for instance, Senegal, have actually seemingly played quite well. You know, I looked at some of the stats, you know, they've joined most shots uh, in the tournament so far with Nigeria, most shots in the sense. box. Yeah, um, the joint, I think they're joint third for most shots on target. They have the highest average possession. You know, what? why do you think they haven't been able to kind of convert complete dominance in two games into goals? Look, the, the coach has perplexed himself. He said, like, um, sometimes football isn't logical or rational. Um, you can dominate a game outrageously. That's the exact adjective he used, outrageously. And at times still, still, you know, lose. The ball doesn't want to go into the net. I think personally, I think there's an element of that, but I also think that there's been a lack of execution. I can think of a chance last night where Islam Slimani um, is, you know, there's no one in front of him. He's Mm -hmm. around seven yards out. Yes, he's off balance. He's shooting with his left foot, but he completely whiffs the ball and the ball ends up behind him. And so like there is a lack of execution at the same time. There's been good goalkeeping from Equatorial Guinea and Mohamed Kamara of Sierra Leone. Uh, there's been, you know, like, un, uh, you know, like, uh, not unluckiness. They're, they're, they haven't been very lucky at times as well. But there's also been a lack of execution. And when you come to a tournament like this and you're 35 matches on being and you're the defending champions and, you know, every single side is going to sit back against you, mm-hmm. uh, especially, you know, the quote-unquote smaller sides, and they're going to try to frustrate you, you have to be prepared for that and you have to be sharper in front of goal. So I think that kind of explains it. Algeria don't play as poorly as the, the point total suggests, but still, it, these kinds of uh, mistakes are unforgivable when you're when you're defending champ. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean, look, looking at the kind of tactical side of things, I think in the first game, we were kind of surprised at seeing kind of almost two wide creative players playing so centrally, um, particularly missing Benacer, you know, the likes of Fabuli and Brahimi. Uh, I mean, we, we talked about the tournament there was yeah, that Bimaldi was going to kind of perhaps, you know, switch between the 4-3-3 and the 4-4-2 that he's, that he's played. You know, do you, do you think that, say, for instance, in these games, playing both Slimani and Buneja would make a difference? Because neither of them seem to be leading the line particularly well in, you know, their two unique fashions that they, they do. And even when he's made substitutions late in games, he's replaced one for the other. He's never really associated exactly. them together. Um, yeah, in retrospect, I think especially in that first match, I think playing a 4-4-2 might have, uh, might have been useful because what, what you're seeing is we're playing a 4-3-3 and just one, like, a single pivot, one deep-lying uh, defensive midfielder. So in the first match, that was Harris Ben-Kibla. Yesterday, that was Ismail Ben-Nasser. And then in the first match, the, the other two midfielders, um, the first match was Sofian Fagouli and Yassin Brahimi. 
you would they would really take an advanced position like really settling in in the opposition like uh, almost the back line of the opposition mm-hmm. and you would have like a, the front line of uh you know the the wingers we say like kind of push centrally so sometimes the fullbacks come in behind them and the strikers and then you have the two midfielders as well and what ends up happening is there's a real lack of movement. That's why I talk about a lack of sense of urgency because there's not really too much off the ball movement that I'm seeing. You're camping in the opposition, you know, uh, territory. You're passing the ball around along the back line and you're trying some long diagonals, but there's no real like, you know, great runs being made. And even if you are like, you're so far into their territory that there's not a lot of space to make those runs. So I think, and he's played the exact same system for both matches. Yesterday it was Benasto that was sitting deep. And you had Bendebka and uh, Faguli also in advanced positions. This is not the fourth three that Algeria played in, in Egypt. In Egypt, we didn't really have like uh, those two midfielders pushing forward so, in such advanced positions. We had Adlan Gediora that was playing the single pivot, but Ismail Benasser was almost beside him at times, mm-hmm. from, especially while defending. And then if he had the ball, he could advance the ball uh, almost as like a ball carrier, you know, a water carrier in a sense. Um, so yeah, I think... This, it's, the system hasn't really paid dividends. It hasn't really worked out. It's going to be interesting. I, part of that is also the fact that we haven't had Rami Zaruki, who's sp- supposed to be our single pivot, and he's, uh, he had a really impressive uh, match prior to the tournament against Ghana, uh, friendly the Algeria won 3-0. Um, so that's, I think, part of the reason why that we've played the system. But yeah, going up against Cote d'Ivoire, I don't see us playing a 4-4-2 because... It often leaves us susceptible to counterattacks. And mm-hmm. yesterday, I watched the way Podivar counterattacked, and they, they looked pretty pretty threatening. So I think he's going to stick with a 4 3 It's just going to be interesting to see if Rami Zaruki is going to be fit or not. If he is, I think we're going to be a little bit more balanced. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, going into the Cote d'Ivoire game, it's now an absolute must win for, for Algeria, obviously, to get through. And, you know, you guys have dealt with that in, in the past, you know, in, in major tournaments. But do you think the game will actually suit Algeria more so, you know, with that kind of pressing higher because there'll be a lot more space in Cote d'Ivoire because, you know, we're assuming that, you know, Algeria won't have as much for the ball. They won't be playing against such a deep block. Or do you think Cote d'Ivoire will kind of play like that, sit really deep and then use the likes of Zaha and Pepe kind of on the break? Yeah, I think they, they will. I think Algeria, for example, will have more possession. Uh, but I don't think Cote d'Ivoire is going to play the way Equatorial Guinea and Sierra Leone play. They're not going to, Algeria's not going to have 70% possession, I can tell you that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd be surprised if we have more than 60%, 62-63% possession. Um, so they're going to be more dangerous, which is going to have to force Algeria to use restraint when attacking. We're not going to be as able to you know, camp in the opposition territory as we did against Equatorial Guinea and Sierra Leone because because they can hit you on a counterattack, like you said, with Zaha, with Pepe, with uh, Crespo, with uh, all these players. Will, will the, like, this kind of pressure be good for Algeria? I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. Um, we haven't been in this position since Bill Madias coached, where we went two matches uh, without scoring a goal. It feels like it's been five years since Algeria hasn't scored a goal in two matches. I miss the feeling of scoring goals. I almost uh-huh. forget what it feels like. It's only been two matches, but that's how much this team has spoiled us. I'm like, wow, like I, I miss scoring goals. I see other teams score goals in Afghan and celebrate. And I'm like, wow, you know, like I, I really miss it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like that kind of pressure, like I, I really don't know how they're going to react to this. Like Belmadi said something interesting. He said, turning the team around in 2018 has got to be more difficult than turning this team around after, you know, two difficult matches and, because back then we were on like a one year and a half, you know, like a rough spell. This is just mm-hmm. two matches. He said these players, most of them were there in 2018. They can recall 
that, and that's going to help them um, turn it around against Cotivar. So honestly, I don't know. I think a lot of people are going into the match um, still trusting in this team, um, but it's it's hard to tell what's going to happen. You know, I didn't think we we're going to be in this position in the first place. I usually would tell you that this Algerian national team mentally is bulletproof that they can uh, they can step up to the big occasion, but. Uh, They've disappointed us two times so far. I wouldn't be surprised if we if we draw or if we lose to Cote d'Ivoire. Um, and even then, I think uh, it might not be the worst thing in the world uh, looking ahead to the World Cup. But as as the coach said, as long as you're alive, you know you got to play this tournament to the fullest. And I I would tell you right now that 90% of Algerians still think we're going to win it. They mm -hmm. still think we're going to win. As long as we're not oh. eliminated, this team is always going to think that they're always going to think that we're going to win it. Mm -hmm. Thanks so much to Maher for speaking to us. If you enjoyed that, please do follow us for more content about everything African football. That's OTW underscore podcast on Twitter and Instagram and on the whistle podcast for YouTube, Facebook and audio. And if you really liked it, please leave us a review and have a wonderful day. Whoa.